Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for this day that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for bringing us here tonight. Jesus, I thank you for the privilege of being a part of your body. Jesus, I thank you for the great ways that you're working in each one of our lives. God, I'm thankful to you. Jesus, I'm thankful to you. Jesus, you are so good to us, Lord. You are so good to us, Jesus. I thank you, God, for every time you've healed us, every time you've protected us and kept us, Lord. I'm thankful for it, Lord Jesus. I'm thankful for it, Lord Jesus. I give you praise tonight, God. I give you praise tonight, Lord Jesus. I bless your name. Hallelujah. Jesus, you are wonderful. Jesus, you are wonderful. Let your will be done here tonight, O God. Let your will be done here tonight, Lord Jesus. God, we turn our minds to you, our attention, our focus, Lord. Let it be upon you and what you want to do here. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we want to be a part of your work. In the name of Jesus. We give you thanks tonight, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every eye closed for just a minute. Let your spirit wait on him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you are good to us. Prepare our hearts right now, God. Prepare our minds, Lord. Jesus, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to let you be seated. Hallelujah. I want to tell you about a dream that I had. It's kind of funny. I used to be afraid to have the microphone in front of Elder Hart or in front of Bishop. And uh, now I've realized it's a lot safer this way. In my spirit, uh, I've already I've already been to the point of Submitting to the authority. And there's great peace in that. But I want to tell you about this dream that I had Sunday night. And um, I, I try not to be the kind of um, sensational type of person. Um, I don't make light of things of the spirit. But I also don't feel like I have to make heavy of the things of the spirit. But this was a spiritual dream that I had on Sunday night, Sunday morning. 
I woke up just right before 4 o'clock in the morning from this dream. I felt like the Lord woke me up from it. Um, and, as, and thinking on it the last few days, there's been elements, similar elements that I've had in similar dreams probably for, I don't know, many years now. Um, and without taking the time to belabor it all, I just want to kind of give you the, the idea. Uh, I was outside at what, what would be our house. It wasn't where we live now, but it, it was our residence. And I was outside with my children, and it was in the evening. And um, some type of a animal, predatory type animal, was in the vicinity. The children became aware of it. I became aware of it. And we took cover to hide from it. We made our, our way into the house to, to try and be safe from this thing. And then um, I felt like me as the man of the house, I need to go out there and check some things out, try and make sure that my family is safe. And, and uh, when I went out there, there was an uh, individual that greeted me, a man. And, you know, dreams are just so weird sometimes. And usually I don't even try to make sense of them uh, unless there's enough there that I feel like I need to figure out what this is about. Um, but so this, this man was, was there standing. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, we, we, by we, I mean my, me and my wife and our kids, we're pretty private when it comes to our home life. We, we're not the type that, even though I am from the South, we're not the type that just that enjoy having people around, up, you know, approaching you out of nowhere and making conversations about, you know, that's just not the kind of people we are. And I'm sorry if that's not okay with you, but, you know, we like to have fair notice and fair warning and we all those things. So I say that to, to say when I go out and I'm greeted by this guy, it takes me off guard. And... Um, I wasn't aware that he was there until I went outside. And immediately he, he put his arm around me, trying to get comfortable. And and I was and in my spirit, I was not comfortable with this. This guy is, I don't know who he is. I don't know why he's here. But he's acting like I should be okay with this. And um, he told me what his name was. I don't know why it didn't register at the time, but afterwards... The name was the name of a disease, a sickness, and I was thinking, that's strange. I mean, it's not one that I've ever had to face or anyone that I even know has ever had to face, but these are just pieces that I'm putting together. And I thought, okay. So he takes me around to the, I guess, the back or side, and I realize that there's, there's a little kind of, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call it like a carnival, five or ten or so people there and. And uh, they're set up to do some type of ritual things that I would not be okay with being done in my backyard, in my house, or anywhere for that matter. Um, but without going into much detail, I just knew there was things happening here that were unclean, things that, that shouldn't be taking place. Um, but, and it looked just like people that were there to, that showed up to, to participate. And... Uh, over here, something's going on. Over here, something's going on. And I'm thinking, okay, well, it's just me out here. The family's safe in the house. Um, but I don't like this. I don't feel good about what's going on here. 
And it's kind of like uh, mutterings in different places. I, I can't really hear any of the conversations distinctly that are taking place, but I know there's some activity over here, some activity over here. And I thought, okay, I had to say something about this. I, don't, I just don't feel good about it. I got to speak up. And in my mind, I was thinking, even if I start to speak up, they're not going to pay attention. You know, I can't, I can't address all the different activities that are taking place here at the same time. Uh, um, but it, I finally, I just said, um, it, this is in the dream. I said, I take authority. And when I said that, that much, what looked like these individuals sort of drew, drew up into kind of like the form of the predatory type animal that I mentioned before. They didn't turn completely into that, but they kind of changed from just normal-looking human beings into an image. And I was thinking, and they all did it collectively. And when I said, I take authority. Like they were waiting for something else. And I had their full attention all of a sudden. It went from all this activity going on that I didn't approve of and I, I didn't appreciate but I didn't feel like I could really address or get a handle on it. It went from that kind of chaotic scene to they're waiting. After I said, I take authority. And then I said, in Jesus' name. And I mean, it was completely gone. All of the, all of the images, all the things that they brought with them, it was like they had never been there. Simply from me saying, I take authority in Jesus' name. And then the Lord woke me up. And I mean, I was just thinking, that was, that was strange. I don't have those kinds of dreams, you know. That's, what does that even mean? And then I, I, as the days went on, I started thinking back about different elements. And I know this was there and this thing said that. And, but, but at the time that I woke up, and it was 4 a.m., the whole house is asleep, and I just kind of, I don't know about you, but when I get startled out of a dream, I can't just lay there peacefully and go back to sleep. I need to get up and, and go around. So I went in and, and just checked on the kids and Loren and everything and uh, just started praying. That's what woke me up was saying, I take authority in Jesus' name. So now that I'm awake and going around praying this, that's, that's all that I had to say was I take authority. In Jesus' name, I take authority. I said it in this room. I said it in that room. And I mean, it's not that I felt like I was having to go to war for anything, but that was just the word that came to me. And after maybe 20 or 30 minutes, that kind of passed, and I went back to sleep. Um, but there, there, I, I didn't even realize that there was a, a level of peace that I hadn't attained that day, that night, until I got there by praying that. So I think what, what stuck out to me was the Lord saying, this is the power of my name. When you use my name, because, as I said, I couldn't have addressed the things, the elements that were taking place there in my own power. 
and my own ability. But simply, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't scream it. I didn't, I wasn't frantic. There was nothing other than I take authority in Jesus' name. And boom, I had authority. So I, so I, I, I woke up with that. I tried to just exercise it a little bit. Um, and that, that morning, the, the whole next day, there was just a great peace because I woke up knowing I prayed that authority onto my children, onto my wife, into my home. And that, and there became an awakening to me of realizing this is what I need. I, I need this is needful to my house. I felt like I wish I would have done this a long time ago, but if nothing else, that dream gave me the understanding that I need to be exercising this authority. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord brought the scriptures to my mind in Acts chapter. Three and four, we know when when Peter and John healed the layman at the temple, and and then the the discourse that takes place in the temple following what the what the Pharisees said was, we can't do anything about the fact that they just performed a miracle. I mean, it was it's viable. We know this. It just happened in front of everybody's eyes collectively. We can't do anything to change that fact. What we can do is charge them, order them to stop speaking in that name. That's really what they said. We're we're not going to hold you here because everybody's going to know we don't really have any uh, authority to do that or any just cause to hold you here. But we don't want this overtaking things we don't want this spreading and you know we we're the ones that are in control here and in charge of religious matters and if you go and start performing these miracles we're going to have a real battle on our hands so just don't be you know why it is because they spent the time to tell them how they performed that miracle they said it's through that name and faith in that name that this man was made whole. So all the Pharisees could say was, let's try to nix the faith in that name. And that's what they said. Go forth, but don't speak in this name. Don't teach in this name anymore. But that's the power of his name. I, I've probably said it a million times since the time I was born and aware and knew that this is what we say in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. I mean, it, for us, it's kind of like second nature a lot of times, tag it on to the end of a prayer or whatever. But the scripture says, whatsoever you do or in word or deed, whatever you do or say, do all in the name of Jesus. Do all. Can we pray? 
Lord Jesus. God, we need this faith in your name, this understanding of the power of your name. Jesus, I'm thankful that you've made it available for us to use. Jesus, we put our faith in your name right now and in your, the power of your name. Jesus, the word says all power in heaven and earth is given to you. All power, Lord, is given to you. Lord, we just want to participate under your name. We just want to participate and have a place under your name. That's what makes the difference, Lord. It's you. It's your power. It's your strength, your might. The truth of your word that makes the difference. In the name of Jesus. Come on, would somebody say it? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All power is in that name. In the name of Jesus. I um I sat down last um Thursday night I think it was I'm losing track of days here but Thursday or Friday um Must have been Thursday. Ladies went off to conference that night, didn't they? And um, I picked up a book that Brother Rosario had let my son read. And so I was reading. Uh, I read pretty fast. And so um, I read this book in about an hour and a half. It's, um, it was It's called A Prophet in Our Time. It was written by Sister Nona Freeman, who was a missionary for many years, and she wrote the story, telling a lot of brother uh, stories from Brother T.W. Barnes' life, uh, even from when he was a child. Uh, there's some humorous things in there. He talks about how he wanted to do funerals so he would kill his mom's chickens so he could do a funeral, and once she found out what he was doing, she wanted to kill him. And But uh, anyway... Uh, he talks in there about different things about the name, and so I began reading and digging into the word about the name. Um, I've I've been on the road the last three days, and so the beauty of being on the road is that when I get done in the afternoon, I have no commitments oftentimes for the evening, and um, that can be a blessing at times, and so... 
this was staying in my spirit, Brother Flowers. This is the Lord dealing with me about the name. And so I, like you, I've often, we do, we tag on in the name of Jesus. Almost casually if we're not careful. And so as I was studying, I was taken back to a time, a few of you may remember this, we had a a prayer conference in Bellevue. Um, Brother Kenneth Haney was speaking there, and I had the privilege of driving him back and forth between his hotel during those few days. And one morning on our drive... um, he says, how's your morning going, Brother Hart? I said, it's going good. Had a good start? Yes, sir. I, you know, I was sort of, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, it was a good start. I mean, I got up, spent some time in prayer that morning. Thank goodness, right? And I mean, we're at a prayer conference, so I was definitely going to get up and spend time in prayer that morning. And, um, but he talked about his time in prayer and walking two miles on the treadmill and He said, you know, Brother Hart, we use the name a lot. But we don't really use the name the way we're supposed to. I'm afraid it's become a byword. It was his expression to me. I never forgot that. It marked me. It made me think about when I say it now. I, um, I went back Monday night. I think it was Monday night. I went back Monday night and I started digging again on YouTube, spiritual places. And I found a lesson from 1984, I think it was, 87. Brother Barnes was teaching. And he taught, called to bear his name. I've grown up hearing this, Brother Flowers, you probably have too. We are people of the name. We are people of the name. There's a reason that we baptize the way we do. The scripture teaches us to baptize in the name of Jesus. Anyone that was ever baptized in the scripture was baptized in the name of Jesus. When you and I chose, if we have, to be buried in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, we were doing more than checking something off of a list. We are acknowledging that I believe and acknowledge according to the word of God that there is power in the name of Jesus to wash away all of my sins. That I don't just get wet and invoke some recital But what happens when I go down in the water is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is now applied to my life through the waters of baptism. I am now buried with him in baptism. His name is now written on my life. And the intent and the design is that now everywhere I go, his name is written on my life. It's the power of the name when you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 
it's put upon your life. There's some things I want to say, but I'm waiting for a minute. Would you pray with me right now? Come on, would you talk to the Lord about where you are? Jesus, we trust you in the leading and the operating of your spirit and word. All power and authority is in your name. In Jesus' name. Um, we have, for the last almost three years now, I think, been three years, watched and received from the ministry of Brother Flowers. Amen. Um, I was visiting with him and his wife a week and a half ago on a Sunday afternoon. We just enjoyed some time together. We don't get to do that too often, so it's sort of nice. And um, didn't even think about it until the flowers was ministering tonight and shared these things. He made this statement. He said, I begin to go through my home and take authority. Did you catch that? He said, as the head of my home, I went through my home and began to take authority. I left our time together last Sunday or Sunday before. I would communicated this to my wife. And I began praying. Brother Flowers, I pray God grant him the authority that he's supposed to walk in. In his home and in the body. You have been walking in authority. But the Holy Ghost is transitioning you to walk in a place and a calling that he's reserved for you to walk in. I believe that with all of my heart. And whatever took place was more than a dream for a moment. And there was a calling upon men, upon men as the head of the home. There is a calling upon men to walk in the authority and the calling of the name in our homes and in our families and everywhere we go. It's not a dictator authority. It's not about a sensationalism authority. Thank you, Brother Flowers. It's simply knowing who we are in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pray again. The power of the name is operative in this room right now. What do you have faith for? What do you have faith for through the name and the authority of the name of Jesus?
Why don't you stand and pray right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray the power and the authority that resides in the name be released in this room even now. I pray the deliverance and the healing that abides in the name be released in this room even now. I pray the victory and the authority that is found fully and completely in the name of Jesus be released in this room even now. I speak to sickness and disease. I speak to mental bondage. I speak to infirmity. In the name of Jesus, I pray that name and the authority of the name released. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Father brought his boy to Jesus. Well, he brought him to the disciples. Jesus came down from praying, and the boy was still in the same condition. And he's, the father runs to Jesus and says, You know, I, I brought my boy's got this situation he's had since his birth and your disciples and Jesus asked him do you believe if you can only believe he said if you can only believe and the man responded Lord I believe help my unbelief the Lord didn't chastise him for that the Lord responded to his belief. To his belief. I believe with every fiber of my being by the grace of God. It's not some mental calisthenic. It's the enabling grace of God in our lives. I believe that all power resides in the name. To do anything and everything necessary. To bring healing, to bring deliverance, to reach to the lost loved one and rescue them from sin. That all rests in the name of Jesus. Would you reach to him one more time with faith in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, my Father. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise God. Amen. Please be seated. I really don't mean to take or to extend this, but I, I feel a responsibility here uh, in something the Lord spoke to me about before coming tonight. 
<clears throat> I knew that we had to go there before we could go here. My, uh, my stepfather was a construction worker. He had a roofing and siding business in New Jersey. And uh, once in a while, he'd back up the truck and he'd say, Larry, jump up there and unload that pickup. And there would be bundles of hardwood flooring. Solid oak. It was heavy. Some of them were too heavy for me to lift. But we would unload those. I think we just put them in the garage. And where do you think that came from? Well, he didn't get it at the store, I'll tell you that. And through the years, I've, uh, you know, had contact with other people who have uh, told me how they came across some stuff. You know, just, we just took, it's just leftover on the job. Everybody does it. That's the common theme. It's just, it's just leftover on the job and it's okay. And uh, everybody does it. I want to read a couple scriptures to you. And then we're going to focus on two particular settings. Proverbs 11 and 1. A false balance is abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. Leviticus 19 and 36. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah and a just hen shall you have. I am the Lord, your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. And I don't know where this one's from. Sorry. This is number 32. And it's in the NLT. Stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear your God, I am the Lord. Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not use dishonest standards. When measuring length, weight, or volume, your scales and weights must be accurate. Your containers for measuring dry materials or liquid must be accurate. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Luke 16 and 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. So we also know it's true. He that is unfaithful in least is also unfaithful in much. We give, we're given opportunity to be stewards over more than money, more than finance. We're, we're given opportunity to be stewards 
over many areas in our life. And it's clear by the word of the Lord, the Bible, uh, how God feels about having integrity in our weights and balances. What would be a descriptive word for anything that was outside just weights and balances? It's common. Fraud. Fraud. To have the appearance of one thing, but to be another. Or to, I, I thought it was interesting the way that New Living Translation told the Israelites how they should treat those uh, from another country. And how they should be, or should not be unfair. Obviously, we should not be unfair in any situation, Okay. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Now, it's interesting. You know, things, things can come into our life and get a hold of us. Obviously, a child, when you're training up in the, in the way that they should go, the minute they tell their first lie and you catch it, you know, whoa. You know, it kind of arrests you and you don't do that. No, you have to tell the truth. And so you start with a child realizing if you don't help them now, what that will become later on. They'll be cheating on their tax forms. And I'm 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 sure there's nobody here that cheats on your taxes because that's fraud that's not a just weight that's not a just balance you know living our lives in a way of measuring right doing right it's the same precept or the the concept of let your yay be yay and your nay be nay in other words let your conversation be clear and straight don't let it be wishy-washy. Don't let it go up and down. Don't let it be so, con so convoluted that with truths, half-truths, and not even close to the truth. I, I lived on it. I lived. I worked in a job that there were times that my immediate supervisor would say this to me. Well, just tell him this. Of course, it was not true. It was a lie. But in his life, he had been doing it for so long. That's just how you deal with situations. You just tell him this. It, it strikes me to the core when somebody says, well, I just told him. In other words, I didn't tell him the truth. I told him something else. But some, somewhere we rationalize this in our mind. And we, we become passive in being straight rather than being crooked. Telling the truth or, well, it was partially true. 
And so the scripture speaks to us very specifically about just weights and balances. I remember that I used to run a couple car wash gas station things for my grandfather years ago in my teens. And there was a guy that pulled up in a truck and he pulled these cans off the truck and he he started pumping gas into these cans and pouring them back into another. And I, and I thought, who is this guy? And who does he think he is? He was from the FDA. Weights and measurements. How do you think they keep every gas station from defrauding you on how much gas is going into your car? And it doesn't matter how much the price is. If, if they're only giving you, you know, uh, nine-tenths of a gallon going into the car. So they literally go to every pump and pump a certain amount of gas in it and check it. What are they doing? Checking the just weights and balances to see, are you a crook? Not, not you, but the gas station. Unless you're running a gas station. Okay. Acts chapter, no, uh, John chapter 12, verses 3 through 6. Uh, I'm only going to keep you here for just a couple of minutes. These are the two settings of the scripture that the Lord specifically pointed me to. You know, the setting. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was this? Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Wait, wait, wait a minute. This is one of his disciples. This is church going folk. And the scripture says. All that words that came out of his mouth. He did not care for the poor. He was a thief. Get this. He was also the secretary treasurer. Whenever there were monies that were given into the apostles and the Lord being with them, they put the money, they had things common and they kept it in a bag. Undoubtedly, they would have looked to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, what do we do with this? And undoubtedly, he would have said, give it to him. The thief. But he was a disciple. Uh, there's no question in my mind 
that through this, through this man's life, the Lord knowing the future and where things were headed, he would bring this in front of Judas from time to time and cause him to, or try to help him deal with it. His swindling ways, his unjust weights, his cheating on his income tax statement. He was a thief. A thief at every opportunity steals. When they look at somebody that's receiving something good, his heart's not warm thinking, oh, I'm so happy they got that. His mind goes to work and he tries to figure out how can I get that for myself? He's a thief. And so here he is and he has, you know, all of a sudden he realizes, you know, all eyes are on him. Why, why was this waste made is what he had said. And then he tries to recover and says, we could have uh, sold this for 300 pence and given the money to the poor. But the Bible's clear. He didn't care about the poor. But the cat was out of the bag. Again. It's the pattern of the Lord. Because he is what? To deal with us. In our lives. And come back again and say, let me help you with this, son. Let me help you with this, daughter. Come on. Let me, let, me, let me remove this out of your life. Let me show you a right way. And time and time again. Did, how far did we get? Did we read them all? We read six? Okay. Acts chapter 4 at verse 32. This is the other portion. You know, it was just a couple of bundles of hardwood flooring. Oh, that really don't matter in the scheme of things. I mean, that was a million-dollar house, you know. And that contractor, he's got so much money, he doesn't know what to do with it. You know what's interesting? All the years we lived in that house that we had built, we never got those hardwood floors done. We were constantly stubbing our toes over the ends of those three-quarter inch pieces of oak. And it wasn't until my parents divorced, my, it was my, actually my dad and my, or my mother and my stepfather, that they finally finished the floors, sold the house. I never got to walk on those floors solid without stubbing my toes. Acts 4 and 32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them ought the things that he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was any there among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands and houses, 
sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. What a contrast that we see between the disciple, Judas Iscariot, and now post-baptism of the Holy Ghost. These people have become so selfless in everything that they had. Nothing was just mine. This is ours. Okay. Uh, and they laid them down at the apostles' feet. and Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, the chapter ends here, but the story doesn't. Chapter 5, verse 1, But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife, also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Well, that's no big deal. I mean, it was theirs to begin with. And this is what Peter is going to exclaim. But... What seemed to maybe transpire over the life of one individual and brought him to the place once again to let it surface and now publicly and let me help you here. But, you know, Judas went out from that situation not being helped because the Bible says he went out from there immediately and sought how he might betray him. You know, you, you can't pick and choose the circumstances, nor how things play out, nor when. If you, go, if you were to go back and read all four of, this, of the accounts of this uh, scenario of what took place there with Judas, you'll find that he, they was at Simon's house. And if you didn't catch it in the reading... Judas was son of Simon. And while they were in the house and this woman broke this alabaster box and all of this was taking place and it was beautiful worship unto the Lord and she began to wash the feet with the hairs of her head. He begins to say things in his heart. Simon does. He says, if this man were a prophet... He would know who and what manner of woman this is that touches him. In other words, he wouldn't let her touch him. And Jesus says, Simon, when I came into your home, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. He goes on with a dissertation and he is... Very gently, but very straightforwardly, rebuking Judas's father publicly in front of him. And then when, the, when Judas cries out, this is all done in a public setting. And there is no doubt in my mind that Jesus has worked hard to, with long-suffering, reach for Judas and give Judas 
one more opportunity. And he turns and goes the other way and becomes offended by what took place because he immediately leaves there and goes and, and to betray the Lord. And the end of the story we know, he took his own life. But here we have a situation. Once again, these are people in the church. Judas was a disciple. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira were believers. They were in the church. But I don't know, I don't know how long or what it was that was in their heart that they'd not been set free from, that they would connive behind the scenes and come up with a plan together. But Peter calls it lying to the Holy Ghost. Your problem's not with me. I'm just here asking the questions and the Holy Ghost is saying, I'm going to bring this out in the open. And did. And we don't need to read the rest. Because we know the end of the story. David. When, when God, I think he spoke to David. Gave him the option or, or David chose the option. That rather than allow Affliction and disease come upon the people. He said, what he said was, I will put myself in, the, in your hands rather than in the hands of men. You can trust him. We can trust him. How, however he determines to help or lead our situation, we can trust him. Let's stand. I would dare say that <clears throat> people who have developed a system of unjust weights in their life probably don't even see it until the word of God would surface it for them. We know of the power of the word of God to do this. I was driving in a car with an individual one time to the airport in Seattle. It was a family member. And as I begin to share and declare the word of God, not, not just to her, but I was sharing it. All of a sudden, she felt like she had to tell me all these things in her life. And I thought to myself, it was the word of God that did that. And she would, because what happened was, is she began to see clearly about situations in her own life that she had always justified. And now she saw that they were clearly wrong. Let us have our eyes wide open. Let us see clearly. Let us see clearly.
I've done my part. Why don't you pray where you are right now? Would you do that? You know, the Lord would deal with us about something like this and long-suffering. And the enemy can come and deceive us into fearing humiliation when the Lord is giving us a place of release between us and him. But he's saying, if you won't deal with this between you and I, I'm going to bring it to the surface. And so the Lord in tender mercy is reaching. He's reaching. Would you talk to him? Come on, would you talk with him right there between you and the Lord? Where the word has been reaching into our life tonight, reaching into our spirit, reaching to help us to lead and guide us to free us from things that would be bondage or be our destruction. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I um, I love a deal. You love a deal. I love a deal. Um, I realized transparency. I realized when I was younger, because of my love for a deal, I could manipulate a situation. Don't laugh at me. I'm being honest here. Don't beat me up. I could manipulate a situation. I had manipulated a situation one time. And what Bishop shares is very true. I, because I could do that, I didn't even, it got to where Bishop, I wouldn't even think about it. I'm just working a deal. I'm just working a deal. I'm not talking about negotiating and getting a good deal. You understand? I'm talking about crossing a line between integrity and the lack thereof. And when the Lord dealt with me, I, I would, I'd go pray about it. I'd pour my heart out in repentance. God, you got to help me. I, this happens so easily, I don't even realize I'm doing it until after I've done it. Does that sound possible? Just step into this. And so I'd go back to the Lord again. Lord, I need you to draw this out of my spirit, whatever it's, if it, this, I'm not telling you you need to pray this way, but I'm just I said, Lord, if you got to expose this somehow to someone that can, I, I'm finding somebody to be accountable to because I don't want this continuing in my life. I wasn't robbing the bank or anything. I don't want you to. But it, it grieved me because I believe it grieved the Holy Ghost. Or it grieved the Holy Ghost and therefore he was letting me feel his grief. You know what the Lord began doing with me to bring correction? Is he would like take me the complete other way. And so what I would do, Brother Joel, is I would err on the side of caution. Does that make sense? Rather than trying to manipulate it a certain way, I, I would like go the other way. I'm going to go overboard on transparency and just trying to reveal everything out of... I, people say no, and people would say no. It's fine. I trust you. I'm like, that's great. I'm just, 
I don't know if I trust myself. So I'm going I'm to go the other way with transparency and accountability. What was I seeking to do? The Lord was helping me to take away the enemy's devices by being transparent. And accountable in a situation. You say, I don't know how to break it. I'll tell you, there's a way. Be transparent and accountable. It will break it. It's the love of the Lord. Bishop, I read this scripture this morning. And I thought, well, that's interesting. No, we're not going to talk about that. We just did a thing on money the other, a few weeks ago, and people sat for three hours. Can I read this scripture to you before you go? People came to John the Baptist in repentance. He was baptizing them in the Jordan. They were repentant. They were turning. They recognized the Messiah is coming. So they were in repentance, a change of direction in their life. And he speaks the message about the axe being laid root of the tree and it being brought down. And if there's no, I mean, it's a firm message that he's dealing with that if there's not repentance, this is going to happen. And he's, and the people ask him, I'm reading in Luke three, verse 10, the people ask him saying, what shall we do then? And I want you to notice John the Baptist responses first. He answered and said to them, he that has two coats, let him impart to the one that has none. And he that has meat, let him do likewise. Sounds like Acts 2 they had, or Acts where you read. They had all things common. Now watch the second one. Verse 12. Then the publicans came to be baptized and they said to him, Master, what shall we do? He said, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. Okay, hold on. He's dealing with something that has to do with possessions with the first group. Now he's dealing with stuff that's a... Is this really that near and dear to people's heart that when they're coming at a place of repentance because of the kingdom of God coming in Christ, that he's dealing with possessions and material and financial things? I don't know. Let's read further. Verse 14. And the soldiers likewise. So he's dealt with three groups of people now. Now he's dealing with the soldiers. They demanded him saying, what shall we do? And he said to them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. Oh, and be content with your wages. John the Baptist came as a forerunner to the kingdom of God coming into the earth. And three different Groups of people, three different demographics, I'll use that term, of people in that day said, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And in every single demographic, he addressed the issue of how they were dealing with possessions and finance. In preparing for the kingdom to operate and them to see the coming of the kingdom and their place of repentance. It was significant. Then it's significant now. Jesus, I thank you for your love that does not fail, for your mercies that are new every morning. And I thank you for your gentle yet clear reaching of your word to where we are. You know what lies ahead, Father. You know that which you are seeking to prepare your church for.
And we want to walk in tune and in step with your word in response and obedience. In Jesus' name, thank you. We praise you. We worship you tonight. We receive of your word. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Before you go tonight, um, it's just like August is a beautiful month, isn't it? Don't you love August? Bishop's done with August. Well, Brother Flowers is 34 today. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, yeah. Today is his birthday. We appreciate him so very, very much. Thank you for giving of yourself in ministry support. We love you and honored to have you as part of the body. Happy birthday from all of us. Amen. God bless you. I won't make you make a speech. God bless you. You're dismissed tonight.